0: Welcome to First Class Fantasy. I am Theo Greminger. Billy Muzio is not with us today, uh, but we're a loaded show. Uh, it's week one is in the books, guys. Uh, we're actually talking about week two right now. It's very exciting. I had a chance to chop it up with Alan multiple times and Jim multiple times this summer, and we're like talking about like our favorite guys at ADP. That's that ship has sailed. So I'd love to welcome in my two guests today. We have a RotoWire invasion here today. I have. Alan Soslowski and Jim Coventry both of rotowire I love these guys they're great guys they have great content and a lot of really really sharp actionable takes and that's the kind of stuff we want to bring you here on First Class Fantasy all season long Alan why don't you start us out what are you doing during the season where can people find your work
2: yeah, some of my takes on the offseason have been more like business class fantasy. They haven't quite been first class just yet, you know, so, but I'm not ready to call them coach fantasy, Theo. You yeah, know, everyone, uh, can, if any if you're interested in any of the things that we talk about today and you have any questions uh, on Twitter, on X, you can always follow me at Alan Sazlowski, and then check out the RotoWire YouTube page. Uh, we're always putting up videos over there. A lot of them with you, Theo. A lot of them yeah. with, uh, with Podfather comes on, and I'm very happy that Roto Underworld Player Profiler and RotoWire have formed a a nice symbiotic uh, content collaboration relationship.
0: We're really Roto Bros when it comes down to it. And
2: Eskimo Brothers,
0: too. (laughs) That's a whole nother show. Uh, Jim Coventry, welcome on. Jim and I have actually, we've now podcasted on multiple shows. This is Jim's first stop on First Class Fantasy. Jim came into the GOAT district last year. That's how I first got to know you. Actually, I first got to know you when you had Billy Muzio on your show or you went on his show and, and somehow you ended up singing Baby Shark, but it was DJ Shark. And after that, I'm like, Jim Coventry, this guy is sharp and he's funny. We need to <laughs> chop it up more. Jim, welcome. Let everybody know where they can find your your work. You You really hit it hard during the season.
3: Yeah, like my friend Alan Soslowski said, just go to the X to Twitter, at Jim Coventry NFL. It's the hub for everything. I'll do um, threads all week, like Alan says. They're not clickbait. They're deep dive analysis, give you actionable advice. Roto-Wire YouTube five days a week. We're on 11 a.m. Eastern. We have a start-sit show on Sunday. We give you the why, not the what. Uh, basically, just go to Twitter. Jim Coventry NFL, we're good.
2: Theo, stay start say start-sit show 10 times fast. <laughs> Starts shits. Start- there you go. <laughs> there you, go. Yes. It's over. Yes. you got yes. me on the first one. Gosh, Alan. You're just
0: you're just a pro. So guys, uh, you're also you're you're doing a lot of great stuff on Sirius Satellite Radio. Where can people find that and, and uh what's gonna be going on with that? Like I know that you guys have a have a roto wire going in there. Is that every single week? Is that a couple times a week?
2: Yeah, if you have uh, SiriusXM and uh, you're riding around in your car, sometimes you can't get to the game or whatever it is, uh, Roto-Wire's on uh, four times a week, uh, Monday through Thursday, 8 to 10 p.m. You're a frequent guest on that show. So yes, I was love- on last night. I was on yep. last night. Yeah, the producers always tell us when you go on, they're like, whoa, that guy is one of our, the best guests. And that's no BS, both when you and Matt come on. They always uh, comment. So, um, but then Jim and I specifically, if you like SiriusXM, uh Jim's on Saturdays, 1 to 3 p.m. with Mario Puig. They do an excellent deep dive analysis. But Jim and uh Jim and myself, we do a show uh 9 a.m. on Sunday. We just get you ready for game day. We update you on all the Schefter, uh, Ian Rappaport breaking news. We give analysis based on that, and we, you know, we help you set your lineups by breaking down the games. That's a power hour, quick. It's over before you know it.
0: Yeah, those Sunday morning shows, those are tough because you guys are both active players and you have a lot of lineups. So you're sitting there trying to give the people content, but you're also like low key freaking out and having to change up your own lineup. So are you guys just jamming that stuff in during the commercial breaks? Have you trained yourself to like ignore it, be a pro, and then you know after the show just kind of kind of go nuts? Is that like how am I reading this, Alan? Little and Jim. A lot of bookmark pages.
3: Get to those bookmarked lineup pages. The day before, I, I note which lineups might have tweaks to make. And then I just go to those pages. There are some I know. All these guys are active. They're healthy. So those are preset Saturday. The few that are left, I deal with those before kickoff Sunday.
2: How many managed leagues are you in now, Theo?
0: It's like Fight Club and the Mafia. You don't admit the existence of too many leagues. And you never ever reveal how many leagues you're in i'm in quite a few leagues i think in the legal sense you could say more than several you could say you know a lot i'm alan i literally don't know but waivers nearly broke me as a man i do i do waivers most of them are due wednesday and i i i did waivers all tuesday night i did some waivers during the day tuesday and then yesterday i thought i was in a really good place but of course it gets to be like six o'clock at night and i'm like oh my god and I try to jam in as much as possible, and then I have, you know, I read read to my kids at night. You know, I'm an active parent as well, so I have to like allot that. And then I go on with you guys at 9:20. And I was I was right on time, but I wasn't early, so it's uh it's a little bit of that. So it's uh, it's wild times, Alan, with the with the multiple leagues. I'm not gonna lie.
2: First class fantasy is like Tom Coughlin's meeting. If you're on time, you're five. You're not if you're not five minutes
0: early, you're late, Theo. That's right. Well, anyway, we got to talk about week one, and we got to get you ready to dominate week two. Uh, We have a lot of actionable information to talk about, and we got to react to a lot of these guys. So stick with us. We're going to be back in one minute after a word from our sponsors.
1: Hey, we're all starting new fantasy leagues all the time. And more often than not, where do we start our fantasy leagues at Player Profiler On Sleeper. Because it's the best. You can imagine my excitement when I saw Sleeper rolled out. Sleeper picks, baby. Now, you know I love Kenny Pickett, right? Week one, who does he face? San Francisco. That's a bummer. So I'm going to be going less than on Kenny Pickett's projected yardage. And on whichever quarterback is starting for San Francisco in week one. (laughs) Probably not Trey Lance. Ah! But then who do the Steelers face in week two? Ah, the Browns, right? We think the Browns are going to crank things up. So there you can say, hey, Kenny Pickett, more than his projected passing yards. And you keep on correlating. Elijah Moore, more than. George Pickens, more than. And if you pick up to eight, that's how you 100X your payout on Sleeper. It's called the Hail Mary. So if you use promo code UNDERWORLD, you get a one hundred dollar instant deposit match. Check out Sleepers' terms and conditions for details. These sleeper picks are live in over twenty five states. Yeah, buddy.
0: Welcome back to First Class Fancies, Theo Greminger. I'm joined by Alan Soslowski and Jim Coventry, both of Rotowire. Guys, let's dive into it. Week one, who was the, who was the player? or team, or pretty much anything that you were most disappointed in? Let's start with Alan. Oh,
2: disappointed in? It would be it's uh, the idea that that Jim, myself, and you, and everyone else told people to take quarterbacks in the second round. It did not work out. And it just because it happened last year does not mean it's going to happen this year. But here's the good news. Even though Patrick Mahomes was, well, Jim, like QB 11 on the week, something like that, that's his floor. The other guys— their floor was, oh, my God, I can't believe I started them. At least with Patrick Mahomes, when it's bad, it ain't that bad. So the quarterbacks, if we redrafted today, Theo we, we nobody would be taking them probably until the end of the third round, if even that.
0: So I think it's kind of like a, a TBD on that one. I think that like one week, uh let's see, let's see where we're at in like three weeks with that one. But, yeah, certainly, Alan, you did not have an edge from drafting the early QB, especially in those week one matchups. But – you know we'll talk you know we could talk at like 11:30 tonight and Jalen Hurts might just go ham tonight um uh, in primetime and we might be happy for that one Jim how about you what was something you were like really disappointed in uh something you were like you know whether it was a team it was a player or a fantasy performance in general
3: it was the Seattle Seahawks they were playing the Rams i get it they're divisional opponents they see each other twice a year But who besides Aaron Donald is on that defense and you're coming in and I know both offensive tackles got dinged up, but you've got Metcalf, you've got Lockett, you got JSN, you got Ken Walker and Geno Smith for what it's worth. And they had no chance. Geno had less than 215 yards his last three regular game season games last year. He he may have turned into a pumpkin. This may be problematic. I don't know that he's recovering from this. And DK Metcalf, he does get his 47 yards. He scores fortunately. But think about this in 2020, he had 1,300 yards. His other three seasons, he hasn't beat 1,050. People are drafting him, I think, with an eye on the 1,300 yard season. That one's not coming back until they change quarterbacks, which is not this year.
2: Hey, Theo, I asked Jim last night because, you know, I think we can all agree that Gino, man, remember the end of last season, it wasn't good either. Do you think, I'm asking you, Theo, do you think, that Drew Lock makes a few non-injury related starts this year.
0: I don't think I don't think they're going to give Drew Lock um some some starts. I think that Geno is going to get a very very long long rope to kind of fail and I think they will win some games, they've a decent home field advantage and all that sort of thing, but yeah, there's a ton of concerns and Jim, you bring up like a very interesting point because wide receivers got steamed up so high this year and then you had this little kind of mini tier where it was the DK Metcalfs and the T Higgins drafters were draft being drafted right next to Calvin Ridley. And I think a lot of people could wish that they would have gone back and traded some of those early DK Metcalf and T Higgins uh, picks simply for Calvin Ridley. You'd be feeling a lot better about your situation. Uh, But, but, but really absolutely a mess. And I'll say my biggest disappointment was for the New York giants. I live on long Island, Alan, you're a long Island guy and I'm not a giants fan But I know a lot of Giants fans, and I actually thought we were going to get somewhat of a competitive game, and it was about the least competitive NFL game you will ever see. They physically manhandled them. It was like University of Alabama playing like uh, Florida Atlantic, and it was just a complete mismatch. And you don't usually see that sort of thing in the NFL where they couldn't do a single thing on offense against that Dallas defense Uh, It was, it was demoralizing for that, for that Giants team, incredibly tilting uh, for Brian Dable, Daniel Jones at all in week two to kind of get back on track. Um, But what a mess and what a shocking, shocking result. How about something that was a positive for you that made you open your eyes and say, wow, this is, this is great. Whether it was a guy you selected or a guy that you, or team that you just weren't expecting and you, you said, this is a fantastic thing. Start with Jim on this. So
3: the thing that stunned me, I looked at the roster of the Indianapolis Colts this offseason. They they carried more tight ends than wide receivers. They have a great offensive line if they get Nelson and Kelly playing back to where they were. And they did play well. But guess what they did? Almost full 11 personnel, three receiver sets. They completely went against their roster construction. And Anthony Richards now expecting heavy personnel, RPO base. He was in the gun. He played almost entirely in the gun. And I think it had to have caught Jacksonville off guard. There's no way Jacksonville prepared for that game plan. But I don't know that they're going to, the Colts are going to do anything different. To me, this may be what they're deciding to do. Now, they're going to have to add a receiver or two to their roster. You're not going to make it through a season with four receivers on your roster, playing three of them full time. Somebody's going to get hurt. So they got to think about that. But that was interesting. Now, Anthony Richardson puts up numbers, completes about 65% of his passes. The Michael Pittman touchdown, if you didn't see it, and I don't blame you if you didn't watch Jacksonville Indy, perfectly blocked screen pass. There were two amazing blocks. He almost went untouched into the end zone, so that was great. But it was – that stunned me. Yeah,
2: I, Go was, for gonna it, add, I was just going to add on. It's so funny that you you picked that as your, your thing that stunned you was because I just put in there that – There wasn't a time in the 100 drafts that we all do that I either clicked on Michael Pittman or wanted to click on Michael Pittman. I was, like, forced to click on Michael Pittman. And, man, did that pay off in week one. And let's think about this for a second. He was, like, a third-round pick last year that the, the high stakers pushed up to, like, the end of round two at times. And then he comes and delivers. Okay, it could be fluky, but it happened. 11 targets is still 11 targets. And Anthony Richardson... I think by the consensus played a little bit better than we thought he would as a passer. And man, if they're just going to if if Michael Pittman's going to get 9 targets a game, I'm going to take it. And if you picked him in the 6th, 7th round, is a uh I have to take him. You're like, "Wow, I mean, you know, if we redrafted today just based on one week, I know one week is not the season, but he would be a 4th or 5th round pick that you were excited to take." So I think that's the biggest one for me is that like I wanted nothing to do with him. And now you're like, oh, you're running towards him. So that that's the NFL. Quick add. So Pittman goes
3: eight catches for 97 and a touchdown. Does anybody know when he caught his first pass?
2: I'm guessing by your your uh, it was probably like the second, second. half based on yes. what you just said. Yeah, yes. just the just second how
3: half. It's yeah. on the first half. He was a ghost And fantasy investors. Were like right call on
2: Pittman. Second ah. half. <laughs> Alexis Lowsky's pointing up. Wrong call on Pittman. Right, right, right. No, it's it's a uh, it, it's interesting. Like when you like really. I mean, you can you can play fantasy football by looking at the box score and do okay because it's so volatile. But like Jim said, when he rewatches every game and there is like a narrative that actually belongs to how the production was had, and that does make a difference.
0: Shane Steichen gets it. And we see Anthony Richardson in his first start finds the end zone as a runner, which should surprise no one. But what I think was surprising to some was he had about 65% completion rating and defenses will adjust. People watch film. There's going to be games where a young quarterback is going to struggle as a passer, but that Jacksonville defense is not a slouch defense for you to be completing that level of pass. I think it's a very positive start uh, out of Anthony Richardson. And I think it's, you know, again, they, they lost the game, but it's still some positives you can build on right there. And I think that uh, if you have Anthony Richardson, you're feeling pretty good about things. He definitely looks the part and he's head and shoulders above the performances from some of his you know, fellow rookie quarterbacks this past week.
2: Theo Grebinger, we talked about this in uh, on the Sonic Truth podcast, uh, but if we were doing a rookie draft, and Jim, I, I love Jim's uh, dynasty takes even though he doesn't play much dynasty. He's usually pretty spot on, which sometimes, by the way, is what you want. Someone that's not like in the dynasty bubble to make comments on this, but if we redrafted a rookie draft today, Anthony Richardson goes ahead of Bijan Robinson in, in Superflex drafts. That didn't happen over the summer.
0: Am I right? No, it didn't happen. But I'm not really ready to capitulate to the, <laughs> to get Bijan. Bichon. Bijan's the chosen one still. No, and we're going to see. This is,
2: it's not an anti Bijan
0: thing. It's not an no, anti Bijan. It's, it's no, a, guess... a
2: super flex quarterback that's going to be a first round startup pick
0: next year thing. Here's an interesting one for you. And we don't want to get too far off subject. But who would you rather roster right now in a dynasty league? Anthony Richardson or Justin Fields? Go ahead, Jim. That's a good question. You know what, Anthony Richardson, because
3: yeah. Justin Fields, I've seen too much that's scary. I haven't seen anything scary in a regular season game
0: from Anthony Richardson, one game sample, but there's that. It, it, but also it, took, all- Justin, it took Justin Fields, Fields a while to get going on an NFL football field. Uh, it took Anthony Richardson one game. To give you fantasy success go ahead alan yeah i was gonna say
2: it's like who's guaranteed more starts from here to the end of their career right now contract matters in
0: the nfl so i'll say for me that my most pleasant surprise and i think the one that's not really being talked about by anybody is the fact that travis Etienne had five receptions in week one this is a guy who last year we were all pounding the table to get this receiving usage And we looked at Travis Etienne as a guy who was kind of miscast as a between-the-tackles guy, gets 35 receptions last year. Calvin Ridley obviously stole the show. If you have Calvin Ridley, that was a fantastic pick. They are trying to utilize him as much as any wide receiver one in football besides Tyree Kill right now and Justin Jefferson. But if you have Travis Etienne, you paid like a fourth-round draft pick for him. He could end up being a sneaky league winner. If Travis Etienne gets 65 receptions, which I think is possible – um, if he even gets 50 plus, you know, you're looking at a real positive uh, from, from last year. And I think that that was for me, I was just really excited for, for anywhere I drafted Travis Etienne to see that early use. What are your guys thoughts on the Jacksonville offense?
2: I just want Jim, when you saw tank Bigsby, he did not look like he was ready to play in the NFL, right?
3: You know, the one thing that's tough is you're playing the Colts. They got Grover, Stewart, DeForest, Buckner in that middle, very hard to run inside on them. And so that may have been the knock for Bigsby in that game. We saw ETN, his big run, he gets outside, gets away from Grover into forest. So that's a big deal, right? So Big B against that defense. Yeah. That was going to be a tough draw going inside, especially Brandon Scherf. I believe he was out in that game, but um, the offensive line was struggling to remember their left tackle is suspended too. So yeah, Bigsby had um, the deck stacked against him a bit.
2: Yeah. The, uh, I would, Theo, I was just going to say, it's like, you know, I, I didn't realize how big DeForest Buckner was. There was this shot of him from the end zone after he made a tackle. And my wife goes, What, what, what is that? Like, that, it just looked like big. a big man amongst big men. That is scary when you're running into yeah. that. DeForest Buckner's
0: a beast. Um, <laughs> We've got a question in the, in the chat. Evan Forbes uh, wants to know our thoughts on Kirk Cousins tonight. Last year, there was the absolute beatdown Philadelphia took it to Minnesota. Tonight, they have a chance to kind of right some wrongs. I know Minnesota has an an injury to, I believe, their center tonight. So they're down an interior lineman. And that interior line for for Philly is looking pretty good, Jim. They got some dudes. Yeah, it's going to be rotational, and
3: it's a short week. Jalen Carter showed well when he played. But here's the thing. That defense is going through a complete overhaul up the middle, and that's where they were weak last year. They bring in No. Kobe Dean, who was there last year, but he starts here. He's injured. He's out. Their safety play, Reed Blankenship, got some starts last year for Marcus. Sucks, he's out. And last week, what we saw New England do, pound the middle of the field. Quick stuff. Get it out. Make the pass rush a non-factor. Well, last week, if you saw the – Bucks against the Vikings. Justin Jefferson in the middle of the field all day long. They're going to attack the middle of the field. And if Kirk Cousins doesn't have that implosion game, you know, hey, the narrative about the primetime game is there. He hasn't had many big ones there. But just from X's and O's, they attack like they did last week. Middle, middle, middle. He could be successful even with center, Grad, center Garrett Bradbury out in this one.
2: He had asked me that last night on the radio, uh, Theo. He said, do you think that Kirk Cousins' primetime game – you know, that he doesn't play well in primetime games is a real thing. It's, it's like, it's hard to believe it. It's like believing in ghosts, but it, it keeps happening.
0: Alan, do you believe in ghosts? I do. Okay. <laughs> well, that's for another show, guys. Guys, yes. uh, guys, I want to, I want to ask you guys about Kyron Williams. We talked about him last night on Sirius satellite radio. And you asked me my opinion. My opinion is I'm very bullish about the situation. This is a guy who has the reputation as a pass catcher. That's kind of when he's coming out of Notre Dame. That's what what people thought that he could do very at a high high level at the NFL field is catch passes. We saw an incredible usage in in game one. We saw him find the end zone twice. He was running well ahead of Cam Akers. It can't even be disputed. The first half he completely dominated touches. Where are you at on Kyron Williams, guys? Is he a must start in week two, Jim?
3: I got to give a little breakdown because this is really important. The film on this one tells all. Look, Kyron Williams has a role, all right? When Akers was in the game, Seattle went directly to their base, and they actually overloaded it as well. They were attacking Cam Akers. Akers, for the most part, gave a yard and a half a carry. It was terrible, but he had no room. Immediately when Kyron Williams went in the game, which was often – Passing situations or hurry up Because they were doing hurry up on some drives Well, what happened was Seattle backed out people out immediately They didn't respect the run When Williams was in the game So Williams' big run, it comes against dime defense They were sitting back Now, one of the red zone touchdowns That Williams has It came because the Rams didn't want Seattle To sub out their personnel So they left like the, the passing offense on the field In the red zone So he gets a touchdown there Now, Akers, like I said He was getting pounded by the back, by the the pressure that they were sending. But overall, when Akers was on the field 35% of the time, he touched the ball 22 of those times. So he was touching the ball. Now, Kyron Williams, like I said, if they're getting blown out and they will in a lot of games, that defense is bad. His role could be very substantial. But even if the, here's the problem for the Rams they're tipping their plays off now because when Williams is on the field, they're looking to attack through the air, even though Williams will get some carries. And when Akers is on the field, they're looking to run. And if McVeigh doesn't want to tip things off, he's going to have to make a decision. But like you say, for right now, it's a downgrade for Akers. It's an upgrade for Williams. But much is to be determined in that San Francisco game this week.
0: We're going to learn a, to learn a lot about the Rams because they looked rejuvenated. And now they have to play maybe the best team in football in San Francisco. We're going to touch on San Francisco uh, soon enough. But, Alan, how are you treating Kyron Williams?
2: Oh yeah, for fantasy football, it's an easy call for me. It's Kyron Williams. I mean, Jim just said it. Like they're going to load up the box when they see Cam Akers, and Kyron Williams even if he can't make any, you know, can't shake anybody, guy can catch passes. He had 42 grabs in college. I mean, he was the RB3 of this class coming out of Notre Dame. The only reason he fell cuz he tested horribly, but you know, as we see sometimes it doesn't translate exactly. Um, you know, the team wanted to make Kyron Williams a part of the game plan last year and a major part of the of the team, but it just, you know, he got injured. So uh, and now we're seeing it early this season. Probably if we had to, like, you know, rethink our take after week one. Sometimes week one does tell you what, to, uh, what it's going to be like. It's probably a, a split where, depending on game script, depending on what's there, Sean McVay is still one of the sharpest coaches. He'll be able to figure out which back to use. You're going to see games where Kyron Williams is, like, 70-30 with the touches, and then it could be the other way other days. So I would take Kyron Williams uh, just because of the pass-catching upside.
0: Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you on that completely. I, I actually, you know, this is not like a flex, but I did draft a ton of Kyron Williams because he was one of these handcuffs that was basically free. He got him in like the 18th round. So I have a ton of Kyron Williams. I saw him go for some very big bids in some leagues where he was available, but for the most part, he was drafted in a lot of these kind of sharper leagues. So I can attest uh, to
2: this because I went to my NFFC, the ones that you're in, and I went to go pick up. I was like, wait, wait refresh. oh. oh. Oh, he's oh. on a roster. He was dra- – oh, it's Theo. Yeah, yeah,
0: that's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, both uh, leagues. And it helps because a lot of those teams I was drafting were very wide receiver heavy, so I'm hoping also that he's a running uh, running back too. Guys, two players that a lot of people had to make decisions on on the waiver wire this, this uh, week were Justice Hill and Gus Edwards. Um, if you had to pick a Baltimore running back that you could roster for the rest of the season – Who would it be? Would it be Justice Hill, Gus Edwards, and we'll throw Allen's favorite, Melvin Gordon, in the Ah, mix? Right. Just like when we talk about
2: drafting, like, oh, I like this guy at his ADP. I like Melvin Gordon at his $0 price for the waiver wire because I don't love Justice Hill. I think, uh, you know, I'm just going to anticipate. I'm not going to do any spoilers, but I think that Jim's not going to like Justice Hill. I think he's going to like the other guy. But it's like neither one of them you're really excited to start you start them if you need somebody so when the when it all clears out i mean again if you have roster space if you a lot of us play in leagues that only have five bench spots you're not going to be able to put melvin gordon you probably even can't fit alan robinson who's a popular pickup this week but if you're in the nffc and melvin gordon is sitting out there or you're in an eight bench league right a lot of people now they have larger benches i like just taking uh putting the the zero dollar player on there seeing what sorts out, and I'm okay being wrong on one of the other two running
0: backs. I went with some Justice Hill. I talked about this with you guys on Sirius. I think Justice Hill is more dynamic than Gus. Justice Hill, I think, was going to have a a better role last year than he got hurt. He had a very good preseason. Harbaugh seems to like him. I think that they look at Gus Edwards kind of like he is what he is. He's a guy that's going to be able to absorb contact. He's a grinder. He gets first downs here and there. But you saw Justice Hill get the goal line carries. I have zero hope for Melvin Gordon. A shout-out to Permar in the chat. He mentions Keaton Mitchell, who I do IR. think is interesting. He's on the IR. Yeah. But when he comes back, this could be a guy in the second half of the year, Keaton Mitchell is, is somewhat dynamic. I think League Billy, winner. Muzio, League winner. <laughs> Billy Muzio I think, referred to him as yes. like a homeless man's Devon A. Chain or something like that <laughs> at one point this summer. Uh, Jim, your thoughts on the Baltimore backfield?
3: Yeah, so I know you mentioned Justice Hill got hurt, but he was on the field most of the time. He had two really good games last year, and John Harbaugh made a point to say, the kid's getting it. We like what he sees. But then there were a lot of games that they backed off him, and then Harbaugh doubled down and changed his comment. He said, we got to watch how much we use Justice Hill. So he's on record as saying that. Now, what Justice Hill did, it was what I call triage mode. In that game, they were not expecting, clearly, you know, their ace running back to go down. And they both got eight carries in the game. They both played similar snaps. Uh, Justice Hill 30% to 23 for Edwards. But here was the thing. You know, Hill punches in the two touchdowns and we're excited. Honestly, if they're game planning for a game, John Harbaugh has let us know. That's not Justice Hill's job. Gus Edwards is a beast. Five yards per carry every season of his career, including last year when he was coming off an ACL and he missed time. He still looked like the same guy. And they're going to run three receiver sets this year. That was like the big case for Dobbins. And Gus Edwards is a powerful, decisive runner. And when they're grinding out leads, and the Ravens right now, they're banged up, they're going to have leads. It's not Justice Hill is going to grind that. But you're right, Theo. If they have to throw to their running back, and with Todd Munkin, they might. Justice Hill could see those catches. So I think you're on to something there. But in terms of a base game plan, and if they want Lamar throwing the ball, and it looks like Zay Flowers is their screen pass guy anyway, so I wonder how much the receiver, the running back, is going to be used there. Gus Edwards is going to get carries, and he is going to have yardage, and he's scoring touchdowns. But, again, I see the side of Justice Hill. I just side with Edwards.
2: I, Theo, real quick. It is like crazy how many um, line of scrimmage passes that Zay Flowers got. That That is a bad sign for the screen passes to the uh, running backs. But here's the other thing. I want to just state for the record, I like Gus Edwards more than Melvin Gordon, but I just don't want to have to pay 15-20%. Um, if you can put a keep him honest bid in there of like 6%, 7% and he ends up on your roster... Great. I just feel like there's going to be other options, not season-long options like Gus, but there's going to be options that get me through a two-, three-week window. Sean Tucker, that week is coming eventually.
0: Rapid fire, because most people are going to be listening to this podcast on Friday or Saturday, but we are recording on Thursday. If you have DeAndre Swift or Rashad Penny, are you cramming one of them into your lineup tonight? And if so, which one? Start with Jim. I have to say DeAndre Swift yep. because he
3: was active last week. He's going to be active this week. And at least I could bank on that right now. I don't know what Rashad Penny's role is. Boston Scott could snake him for carries even because they must, they, it must be a vision thing. They're not putting him on the field. He's healthy. I don't get it. He must not get something.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. I'm, I'm going to start DeAndre Swift in a league or two, and I'm going to start him over a couple of guys who are viable fantasy candidates. Cause, uh, I'm not starting DeAndre Swift tonight. Then when am I ever starting him? What's the point? And I think that he's going to have a decent game. I don't think anything great. I'll say he finishes like around running back 20 on the week, but he does enough to get you through. Alan, your thought, are you are you going to cram one of them in your lineup or not?
2: It's funny. I I don't think he's gonna finish his running back twenty. I think he's either gonna finish his like running back like nine or running back like thirty eight. <laughs> like I don't think like there's like a median outcome for him. Like he's either gonna go well or they're gonna put him down right away. So that said, obviously DeAndre Swift, you gotta figure that's the higher upside guy. With with Rashad Penny, I gotta see it. You know, they could even activate him and not play a snap. So at least Jim made the said it all. At least you know he's
0: gonna play. Every year we have offenses that really surprise us. Last year. Seattle came out and played very well. You had a number of other teams that did it on a higher level, but like of the lower drafted teams, New England had pretty much everybody besides Ramondre Stevenson was being drafted like free. And then the end of the off season happens and people start drafting Zeke Elliott round 13, round 14, nothing crazy. So you have all these little free pieces and they come out in game one against a pretty fearsome Philadelphia defense and their offense hangs. It's a very, very competitive ball game. Mac Jones has the most pass attempts in the entire NFL with 52 pass attempts. And we have positive fantasy performances from Kendrick Bourne, Hunter Henry. And we're kind of feeling good about this New England offense. I think this week against Miami, we could actually have a pretty high scoring game. Is this a hey, let's be excited about Bill O'Brien here? Or is this a, let's really cool the Jets. This was game one, and our defenses are going to adjust. Jim, your thoughts. So
3: I mentioned earlier when we're handicapping the Minnesota and Philadelphia game tonight about the middle of the field and the turnover for the Eagles. Bill Belichick and Bill O'Brien, they had two weeks to plan for the game, and they knew this is a team last year you could tack in the middle. They knew the personnel turnover in the middle, and that's what they did. Thirteen targets to running back. Kendrick Bourne, most of his routes were over in the middle. Hunter Henry obviously is the, the seam stretch tight end. Not some seam stretch, I shouldn't say seam stretch. He's the inline who could go into the route, and those they kept pounding it. And then they would take their shots outside after they peppered the defense in. This is game plan specific this coaching staff knew exactly where to attack the Eagles because you didn't want to go after Slay and Bradbury. Now, Bradbury got hurt at one point, which was different, but that was the whole game plan. This is week to week. Good luck projecting that going forward, though.
0: But I do think, Jimmy, will you at least kind of capitulate that it's maybe going to be a little bit more pass-heavy offense than a lot of people anticipated? And at the end of the day, if you just have a lot of pass attempts, there's going to be, you know, it might not be exciting fantasy, Uh, points, but you're going to get some fantasy points out of an offense that's going to throw the ball a ton. You are correct on that, Theo, because the RPO base scheme that that Bill O'Brien ran
3: with Mac Jones in college, they will have run out of that, but the receivers they have, and you know, Kayshaun Booth, he had no no points. He stepped out of bounds on two catches, but he looks like he's a thing there as well. And so there are plenty of options. This is going to be a spread the wealth offense, but you're right. They're going to throw the ball and Mac Jones may be way better than we think.
0: Yeah, he's sneaky right now. Alan, your thoughts on on New England. Yeah, no, Mac Jones, I mean, if you go
2: back to his like rookie year, he threw over five hundred times. And I know YPA is not like a perfect stat, but it's pretty good measurement of how good a quarterback is. He was about seven point three. 13th in the league. I mean, better than Jalen Hurts that year, better than a bunch of guys. I'm throwing last year out. Every These quarterbacks get like the mulligan year. This is Trevor Lawrence's rookie year, Mac Jones's sophomore year, so I'm very optimistic. And Kendrick Bourne, right? He was always like a, a very unassuming player that was proactively signed by New England, so they wanted him, and then the whole offense collapsed last year. And then even go back to like Hunter Henry. Remember when he was on the Chargers? Everybody liked Hunter Henry for fantasy football, it's Just and then last year everything collapsed. So Hunter Henry Man, I mean, they threw to him six times, and you know that was all like contested catches and but he he came away with it mac jones trusts him i I went and got hunter i picked up hunter henry in leagues where i already had two okay tight ends i'm thrilled to start him and by the way even in like a dynasty league today i was able to uh package some things and get mac jones for some from somebody who thinks like oh maybe it was just one game it's sometimes you have to go where you think like the you know where the puck is going type of thing rather than so i am very optimistic Probably won't be 50 passes, guys, as you said, and maybe game plan specific. But I'm starting Kendrick Bourne in leagues where I start three receivers this week.
0: And I added a ton of Mac Jones. I I think that he was – again, guys, we're talking about fab leagues. Mac Jones was super, super cheap, and there's all this passing volume. Uh, One or two of the teams I had Aaron Rodgers as my QB, two, and it was out of some necessity. But I think oftentimes we have people ignoring week one production, and just saying, you know, this is it's not going to sustain. But every single year you see guys come out and play well in week one or just get enough volume in week one and it sustains for the entire season. It happens every single year. And I think that week one's the most important amount of information hmm. we get since probably the NFL draft about where people are are at with their with their team. Um, wanna take one question in the chat Mac Jones or Geno Smith this week? Who are you starting? Start with Jim. I'm going Mac Jones. Look, Miami is going to be tough because
3: Vic Fangio's defense, it adjusted way quicker than I thought. But what it did was it took away everything downfield and it forced the underneath passing. Well, guess what? That's what the Patriots want to do. So Vic Fangio's defense will just really play to the strengths of what New England's doing. So, yeah, I'm going with Mac Jones there. Detroit, with those uh, they're going to be facing Seattle
0: without their tackles. They're going to be bringing some pressure. Geno's in trouble here. There's a song called return of the Mac and if you're under 30 you're going to want to check it out because it's a banger return but return of the, of Mac. the Mac return <laughs> of the Mac it's return of the Mac Jones to at least if you're in a Superflex league he's an auto start and if you're a streamer you can consider Mac Jones this week this is going to be a high scoring game Bill Belichick has something to say I think Miami wins the game Miami's in a great spot but I think Bill Belichick's going to go, go, go hard. And I think Bill O'Brien's got a lot to prove right now. Alan, your thoughts, Mac Jones or Gino Smith this week?
2: I thought you were going to take the question that says, do these guys, are they related to Joe P Zapia? So I thought that was the question <laughs> we were going to take. All right. Uh, yeah. I mean, Mac, Mac Jones, say what you want about Bill O'Brien when he was a head coach. Deshaun Watson played pretty well, right? I mean, those were his, his golden years. He's getting back to that now. Uh, Bill O'Brien uh, maybe wasn't uh, the greatest CEO or leader as a head coach. But, man, has he proven that he's a plus offensive coordinator? That's Mac Jones is the answer.
0: We had Puka Nakua mania this week, guys. It's Puka not over Nakua, yet. And No, it's absolutely not. And Puka Nakua <laughs> M- had the best performance by a rookie wide receiver in week one since Jamar Chase. Uh, Puka Nakua had – he was top five in the NFL in air yards. He finishes tied for first in targets. He has a tremendous game. This is a fifth-round draft pick. Uh, we don't need to delve too much into it. If he was probably the number one waiver wire ad, if he was available in your league, Alan, I saw a one thousand dollar bid for yeah, him in him a that. league with no zero dollar, no zero, <laughs> yes. no zero dollar uh, mm-hmm. waiver wire bids. So this person is saying, you know what? It's worth it to me to, to during bye weeks not to have kickers and quarterbacks and coverage and all that. I'm rolling out with Puka for a thousand. So it's Puka mania. Jim, your thoughts on? this situation and i also want to talk about on uh, tutu atwell who i think is very interesting and people are kind of discounting right now
3: so when i'm watching the game mix on youtube sunday ticket it's four games and i'm watching all right nakua catch nakua catch but it's a small screen well i re the game and i'm like oh man i just see what happened sean mcveigh realized that he could put nakua into space and isolate him on bobby wagner Six of his catches were against Bobby Wagner, who can't run. He could stop the run all day long. But it was a classic mismatch, and McVay just kept going back, back, back. So Puka puts up these great numbers. God bless him. He has a 100-yard game on his resume. He's not going to see Bobby Wagner. Matter of fact, if they attack number 54 this week, that's Fred Warner. It ain't Bobby Wagner. (laughs) So I am very concerned that McVay found the answer for week one. But it's not like Nakua had a perfect game. He had a downfield pass that was catchable, misplayed it. Uh, there was another pass that he dropped. There was a lot
0: of concern, but he could beat Bobby Wagner. I guarantee you that. <laughs> That's what I'll say. So I'll say, I understand there's been some some smart kind of pushback. You know, Matt Kelly had some comments on Puka Nakua. I know you're saying as well, but I do think the fact is he had 15 targets. And also, mm-hmm. they're scheming for him, and he is the first read, and – at the end of the day, Jim, Seattle didn't adjust, so it's like well, you know they're they're gonna take they're gonna take what's given to them. But I do think it's interesting. I think Puka does have some staying power. This could be his best game of the entire year. But you're not gonna go from like 15 targets down to like three. This is not a. I saw a Kyle like a Kyle Phillips comment like from when we had the Kyle Phillips game where he had like nine targets his first game, and this is not this is not that. Uh, this is a guy that looked really really good. Uh, he looked kind of like Hunter Renfro 2021 to me. Um, I know some people want to say the cup thing, but that's guy. He's not cup, but I think like we've seen these random seasons from these uh, guys who can win in the slot, kind of like Hunter Renfro. And I kind of see it with Nakua. I don't think he's going to finish the wide receiver one, but I think he's the kind of guy that you're going to consider in your lineup. At least you're going to put him in your lineup every week until cup comes back. And then when cup, if come cup comes back, I still think he's a consideration. Alan, your thoughts.
2: Yeah, I mean, Jim laid out the case of why he went nuclear, and I I think that anybody you'd said that spends a thousand dollars or even thirty five dollars or forty dollars on him has the wrong idea what you you bought here. What you bought is a, a depth wide receiver. I mean, he, let's say he goes six for fifty eight this week and he gets you eleven and a half PPR points. That's a win. I mean, is there a chance? Do you remember Travis Fulgham, the guy on the Philadelphia Eagles?
0: But you who, got like four starts out of Travis Fulgham. But well, that's that what year. I was going to
2: say. Yeah. You got a month out of him. What if if, if for the next five weeks are, are crazy? It's like I don't think that. And, and if that's how you want to spend your Fab, that's fine. But I think that this was, like you said, this was the upside game. And and Puka and did make some toe tapping catches on the sidelines. He it looked like he knew how to run NFL routes. He was good. He was really good. But I think that it's more likely, like if you're. He's probably uh, ranked as somewhere between wide receiver 25 and 45, depending on how strongly you feel about him. And that would be optimistic. I would say most weeks, if you're thinking of him as like a third wide receiver or a flex option, that's great. This week against San Francisco, I wouldn't be surprised if it's three, uh, 10 targets, but three catches for 30 yards.
0: I'll say what's also funny is, you know, we don't want to get too dynasty focused. But if you're a dynasty manager, you're not surprised by like Pukunakua becoming a thing because he was like the favorite for for Jax Falcone. Our our friend Scott Bollinger, Jax Falcone, who does the the Undrafted podcast, talked about him all summer long. Ray Garvin talked about him all summer long. John Lobb talked about him all summer long. Matt Hicks. Like you go down the list of all these dynasty people. Yeah,
2: it's but you know what it's like. Okay. And. I take nothing away because that was an awesome performance and the guys that called him out early, like you hit, right? But yeah. it's almost like you've ever been at a roulette table and put like a single chip on like red four or red black four and it hits? I knew it was gonna hit. I know no, you you called one out that you thought was gonna hit and it hit. Keep putting that chip down. It ain't going to hit every time. It's probably going to land on other numbers. It was a, a 1 in 36 shot or whatever, however many numbers are out there. So, yes, it's going to be good, I'm sure. But if if you're spending major fab on this guy, Jim Coventry, most likely. Listen, if you just say he's going to he's gonna disappoint, right, you're probably going to be right. This guy's not a, a, a Jamar Chase, like you
0: said. So we have... And you're getting a little little pushback, guys. After week three, if Puka Nakua is like wide receiver twelve overall, make sure and at Alan Soslowski. We like and Puka Nakua. We we we're in on it. We we're Jim. I asked Jim. You guys last are pro night. Puka Nakua, for the record.
2: Yeah, we are okay, pro. Cool Puka, but so oh, I'm no, not. Jim's not right. Jim's, Jim's not. not. So Jim, so, Jim's so, not.
0: so at at Jim Coventry, guys. Yeah. Let's talk about Tutu Atwell though. What, what, Apple, really quick,
2: really quick ahead. about the uh, – I asked uh, Jim last night a Dynasty Superflex question. Everyone's trying to get out of Aaron Rodgers. I saw him traded Puka Nakua for Aaron Rodgers. Would you make that trade in a Dynasty Superflex league?
0: I don't know how comfortable I am at Aaron Rodgers coming back at his age from an injury like this. I probably would bank the Puka Nakua production and try to go for it this year. Jim?
3: Um, so what I said is, I don't think Aaron Rodgers, he may not play again. Yeah. And at least Nakua, he's going to play. So uh, to me, it's an asset. It's crazy. So, and I'll not? say,
0: I'll say Alan, the last time we had this conversation where, you not and we'll get back to redraft, but we had the Romeo Dubs is a sell. Romeo Dubs is a sell. Romeo Dubs is a sell. That's true. Romeo Dubs didn't do anything, and but he retains this tertiary value, and then you get to the offseason, and he's still worth – that second round pick. So like trading Puka Nakua for a second round pick right now in dynasty is not the best process. Cause that pick could be worth, it could be worth a ton more when you get to it. And I'll say, throw this one out to you guys. There were people trading Amon Ross St. Brown, a fourth round draft pick for peanuts thinking that they're smart. They're trading the day three guy away. Target magnets are target magnets in the NFL. Once coaches say that I can th- I can give a guy double digit targets like that kind of sticks with them a little bit. I know Hunter Renfro disappeared off the face of the earth, but a lot of these guys stick around for years. So he's a great case study. This is something we got to touch base on in like six weeks, guys, have you back on and have a a little more Puka Nakua talk. But let's do a quick, are you interested in Tutu Atwell? Because I added some Tutu Atwell um, in a number of leagues last night for cheap. I, I referred to him as arbitrage Puka Nakua. That's where we're at right now. I have to use an arbitrage Puka Nakua. But Tutu Atwell was used stylistically on some like Tyreek Hill type routes. They put him in motion. They ran some Mike McDaniel type offense last night and, or excuse me on Sunday and Tutu Atwell ends up with eight targets. He goes for 119 yards, six catches. This is a guy that people kind of made fun of them for taking, but he is a second round draft pick with elite speed. He was just a super skinny, uh, frail body type for an NFL second round wide receiver, but The draft capital is there, the speed is there, and now he has a role. Jim, your thoughts? Yeah, so Sean McVay,
3: as you said, he is going to scheme him into space, and he needs to. They need a speed element in their game. And Matthew Stafford now is there, and as long as they can keep him somewhat protected and use some play action, they're going to be downfield shots. They have to stretch the field. He is our option. It's not Van Jefferson. Van Jefferson will run some deep routes, but he's not a fast guy. Van
0: Jefferson but, is 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 dust, guys. You can right, everybody exactly. out there cut him, cut him. Exactly. Go ahead, cut him. Oh yeah, yeah. Cut,
3: cut him. Uh, but yeah, that's the thing. Atwell is going to be used now. You can't count on him every week because of the big player to get knocked away or incomplete. But he is a player. I pe- I penciled him in this week as a you know as a long shot flex play because I thought they'd get him and, and it clicked. But yes, you can use Tutu Atwell depending on your roster construction and l- lineup requirements. But there's going to be down weeks for sure. Alan, yeah. anything to add?
2: Yeah, I, I just think that uh, Tutu Atwell, uh, as as kind of Jim said, but here's like the Cliff Notes version of that: is his best games are most likely going to be on your bench, and your his his worst games are from here on out are probably going to be in your lineup.
0: Yeah, I mean, you got to you add league context to this and all that, but if you're in a deep league. Uh, I definitely, add, you know, these were all 20-man roster leagues where I added 2-2. Two, two. And again, I the most I think I spent on him was like a 4%. And I did add him in one or two dynasty leagues, Alan, where he was available. And he is young. And again, this is a second-round draft pick. So, you know, our, our uh, a lot of times we'll have like this take lock where we think of a guy as this small, frail guy. But d- draft capital matters and the scheme that NFL teams use for him absolutely matters. Let's quickly do a tight end uh, uh, pick him. We saw some interesting tight end production this past week. You had Hunter Henry, who Alan talked about before, a beneficiary of the 52 pass attempts from Mac Jones, uh, six targets and finds the end zone, goes about 60 yards. You have Hayden Hurst, who led Carolina in targets, and he also finds the end zone. Uh, Bryce Young's first NFL passing touchdown goes to Hayden Hurst. Then you also have the corpse of Zach Ertz, who comes off of major knee injury. Not only is it not Trey McBride leading them in targets, but it's Zach Ertz coming back and doing what he does for most of his career. He's a target magnet uh, against Washington in their loss this week. Your thoughts on any of these guys? We know Allen likes Hunter Henry. Jim, if you had to pick between Hayden Hurst, Hunter Henry, or Zach Ertz, who would you go with for your roster?
3: I know Allen likes Hayden Hurst, and I'm with him. Rookie quarterbacks don't always go to the tight end. Like C.J. Stroud, not going to happen. He loves his outs, his receivers. He's going to throw to Collins, and he's going to throw to Robert Woods. But Bryce Young, yeah, he's going to be a middle-of-the-field guy. I already saw it in game one. He's looking to the middle of the field, and that's going to be where Hayden Hurst is, and that big body is going to be his friend. So the numbers won't be eye-popping, but give me some Hayden Hurst there
2: yeah uh theo i mean our our friend cody carpentier went to had his boots on the ground in panthers camp and his only (laughs) takeaway was that Every pass seems to go to Hayden Hurst, and I didn't believe it. I'm like, all right, but you know, Cody saw it. He's a credible dude. We, we, we know and trust Cody, and that translated to game one. So how is not the natural progression that Hayden Hurst was? If you thought Adam Thielen, uh, 33 years old, was going to be the primary target, and you were like, eh, I guess I'll take him in the 12th round. Didn't happen. Hayden Hurst is a monster, man. Remember, he was a first-round pedigree tight end, whether you thought he was overdrafted or not uh it's uh and even last year when he was on cincinnati people were drafting him like oh this is a good late round guy now he's the primary target um it's a good question because uh you loved what you saw from hunter henry but if you're just looking in ppr leagues i i think you can bank five to six targets a game and that's like the floor for hayden hurst it could be eight and nine in most weeks
0: yeah so hayden hurst i called on this podcast i said he's this year's tyler higby that's a, great a boring guy who's going to end up with 90 plus targets Hayden Hurst last year in Cincinnati, he had 70 plus targets. Now he goes into a team without any target magnet wide receivers. And I think Hayden Hurst is going to be a very boring low end tight end one. So I'm, I'm on Hayden Hurst, but all three are kind of interesting right now and none and they're all cheap. And every single year we see guys come off the waiver wire or very low drafted and finish as tight end ones. I think it could be one of these uh, guys again, none are exciting but they're all going to be somewhat productive, and they all have floors. Hey, Theo, Hayden
2: Hurst or Dallas Goddard? you got to start one of them in your lineup this
0: (laughs) week. Dallas Goddard (laughs) tonight, guys. Squeaky wheel gets the grease. Dallas Goddard, (laughs) 17 points, catches a touchdown pass. That's my bull call. And
3: Zach Ertz, I love Zach Ertz, but he couldn't run last year. Fifth percentile yards after the catch. He certainly can't run after an ACL. He catches six passes. Trey McBride out-yardages him on two catches. He beat him twenty-three to twenty-one. Ertz can't. They they've got to figure that out in Arizona. They got to say, "Look, we love you, Zach. We're paying you, but McBride is a better option right now." They're going to have to figure it out.
2: Jim, do you think that they're maybe showcasing Zach Ertz for a trade since they're quote in tank mode?
0: I could see that. Totally could see that. I yeah, mean, that's I've... that's some four D chess right there by our, by Alan Sislaske. I love the call, guys. Let's talk about something that is exciting. Miami goes into L.A. Tua Tunga-Vailoa has a 450-yard passing game. Uh, He's now second all-time in Miami for 450-yard passing games in his short career. Tyree Kill looked incredible. Looks like the kind of guy who's going to go for something like 2,000 yards receiving. And last year, Tyree Kill has the most targets of his entire career, and he only had seven touchdown catches. Starts the season off with two touchdown catches. It's like the Tyree Kill show – but what an impressive performance by Miami. How bullish are you on them as a team, let alone fantasy football? Because we see Cincinnati start with a loss. We see Kansas City start with a loss. Uh, that, those Miami – oh, and Buffalo Bills. Miami Dolphins are sitting there at 1-0. Chance to go 2-0 this week. Jim, your thoughts on this team, Mike McDaniel, this offense.
3: So Mike McDaniel, I was very concerned about a counterpunch because when it's a new coach to, you know, a head coaching job, you never know in the counterpunch if you're going to be good or not. Like Zach Taylor took a while for that. Well, what happened last year, we remember the Chargers had the Dolphins number. I don't, Tua definitely was under like 180 yards in that game. It was like 10 for 28 passing. He was terrible. And they knew how to press the receivers, throw the timing off, underplay the receivers. Well, the counterpunch came. And it came hard. And here was the counterpunch. So last year, Tyree Kill would run motion all the way across the field. Well, that gave the defense time. They knew it was coming. They could stack players and set it up. What they did this year, they put him as a pseudo tight end slot receiver. They motioned him to the same side of the field. No time to adjust. They gave him a head of steam, almost CFL style, right? Mm -hmm. And he's out there in the route. You can't stop it. But now teams have seen this. Now, Tyreek Hill's going to have an amazing season. We're, let's not go anywhere away from that. But that counterpunch, nobody saw that coming. We'll see what coaches do because Miami was back and forth last year. So they're going to be great. They're going to be fine. But there's going to be some bumps along the road. They're going to have to keep figuring things out. It was gimmicky. But, man, I don't know how you stop it. But somebody will figure out something. And,
0: Alan, to, like to Tua Tonga vailoa he goes up against his fellow draft cla- uh, draft classmate and Justin right. Herbert who was is- – one of these quarterbacks that we were pushing up this year Tua, you could have sat back and drafted around quarterback eight and quarter, the difference between quarterback eight and quarterback seven was, was pretty large. So your thoughts on Tua, how good he looked, can he sustain, you know, top five quarterback production?
2: Yeah. The only reason Tua was pushed back into the double digit rounds around nine, depending on what you are, is because there's that one knockout punch uh, risk, right? Like if Tua gets a concussion, Nobody is going to expect him to come back based on the very graphic concussions multiple that he had last year. So if, if Tua did not have this concussion history, he would have been up there, I'm sure, right in the Trevor Lawrence range. I mean, after, you know, he was projected to have this ma- major season based on what he had already done. So that's still a risk just because it didn't happen in week one. Doesn't, this is, you know, this is Tua's upside. We love that. And we love the weaponry. By the way, Patrick Mahomes has to be sitting there after the receiver games that he had <laughs> going, Jesus, we couldn't figure this thing out. You know, it's like crazy. <laughs> yeah. uh, it, it's uh, and also Tyreek Hill, man. It's like the guy keeps getting better with age. He, he, I know he came out and said he wanted to have a 2000 yard season. And we all kind of chuckled like it, it's in play here. Yep. right? It's totally in play. And I, I'm rooting for Miami. I love this. And I'm, if you took Tyreek Hill at pick three in your draft after the big two receivers are over the board, you are happy. I mean, Christian McCaffrey so far was a good pick. But man, if we redrafted today, Tyreek Hill's pick two right after Justin Jefferson.
0: Tyreek Hill might be pick one. Yes, sure. you no know, problem. like he's right yes. there. Um, it, it's, it's incredible. I completely agree with you. He's such a technician. You know, I think when he first came in the league, people thought of him as this incredible speed guy, and he's still got the wheels, but he kills you on routes. You cannot defend him. He's an incredible player. We're lucky to see Tyree Kill in his prime every Sunday. It makes Sundays better when Tyree Kill goes nuts. Quick question in the chat. Round the horn. Who do you start this week? DJ Moore, George Pickens, or Traylon Burks? Pick two. I will go... George Pickens and I'm going to gosh I'm going to go trail on Burks because it sounds like DeAndre Hopkins might miss this week it's very very tough decision though um where you at Jim pick two I'm going to go with Pickens but I'm also going
3: to go with DJ Moore Carlton Davis it's probably here's a toe injury he's missed practice but I saw last week that Minnesota attacked them in the middle of the field and they were very vulnerable and with and multiple receivers. It wasn't just Justin, Justin Jefferson. It was K.J. Osborne in the middle of the field, Jordan Addison. I think the Bears, and I can't trust their coaching staff for much, but if they get D.J. Moore in the middle of the field, there's no Sean Murphy bunting. He's gone. Uh, he's with the Titans now. That middle of the field is going to be open, and they have no answer for him, I don't think they're.
2: Allen. This is like F-marry-kill, right? You have yes. to, uh, yeah. Although no, you I'm...
0: have to marry two of them, and you have to murder <laughs> one.
2: <laughs> well, you F one, you marry one. And other yeah. One you get rid of. Yeah. So. So you marry George Pickens. Right. right. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna F George Pickens. Like he's the oh, okay. hot so one. Okay. So you
0: here. put F before Mary on this scale. Everybody oh yeah. Must... f is okay. right. F-ing is way go. more fun than Mary. There you go. There you oh, go. There come you on. Go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: so I'm gonna F George Pickens. I'm gonna marry Traylon Burks here. OK, meaning like, all right, you know, good long term partner, you know, it, uh, solid. Uh, I could rely on him, especially if uh, DeAndre Hopkins out and DJ Morno' seriousness. He's in show me mode for me. Like, I need to see it again before I put him back in my lineup. And what Jim said, it, it makes it very appealing from a game script and matchup perspective. And, you know, uh, it, but I just need to see it. I, I, he's out of my like immediate circle
0: of trust right now. Guys, Brandon Ayuk went nuts this past week. San Francisco looked like maybe the best team in football. They completely manhandled Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh, a game that we thought could have been competitive. Again, Christian McCaffrey goes nuts. Uh, Debo Samuel had his moments. George Pickens was healthy and played the game. But the story of the game passing-wise was Brock Purdy found Brandon Ayuk for two touchdowns. Brandon Ayuk looked absolutely unstoppable. This was a guy that was drafted right around the wide receiver two line. You got a pretty good value on Brandon Ayuk in drafts. Is is this Brandon Ayuk's special season? I mean, the guy was wide receiver fifteen last year. Jim, uh, do you think he's going to finish like inside of the wide re- top ten wide receivers? And does he outscore Debo Samuel this year again? I think he could
3: score outscore Debo Samuel because Debo Samuel was less than nine touches a game last year. And my concern is they're not going to be able to bump that number up. And if they don't that's going to be problematic. So Ayuk could outscore him. I do th- think that I will still be week to week though, because George Kittle was kind of coming back from a groin injury. He was like kind of lightly used in that game. There'll be weeks where they use him. There'll be weeks when they lean a little more in the passing game on Christian McCaffrey. And, and it's going to be up and down, but overall the numbers will get there. Yeah. He should get to 1100 yards and he should get you to 10 touchdowns. I would think is, I think that's reasonable with the amount of points you're going to score. So yeah, Brandon, Ayuk wheels up.
2: I I never understood these guys ADP, like every year. It's so weird, right? Like Debo gets overdrafted. Ayuk gets underdrafted. They're both going to be like flip-flopping weeks, but I think it's pretty clear at this point. Brandon Ayuk is the wide receiver one, and Debo Samuel is like this all-around great weapon that they're going to use. So Debo's going to have those blow-up weeks. If I'm I'm like in a vacuum right now and I could have one player, I want Ayuk because especially in three receiver leagues – but I wouldn't be surprised if there's some like five for 48 weeks with Ayuk and Debo is just like two rushing touchdowns. So um, long-term though, and for the rest of the season, if we redrafted today, I think these guys would go back to back depending on your flavor.
0: Yeah. Give me Ayuk. I'm I'm, a, I'm on the Ayuk train. I think he's yep. a stud. I like Debo. I think Debo would actually have the most contingent value if Christian McCaffrey misses some time. And I do think with the quality of the San Francisco uh, team overall, they're going to be very cautious with Christian McCaffrey. This is a team that might be the one seed in the NFC. So it's not a matter of of Christian McCaffrey sustaining like some big injury. It might be they get to midseason and they want to kind of pace him. If he has anything little nagging, they might hold him out a game or two uh, just so they have him fresh for the playoffs because this is a team that can win the Super Bowl. Uh, And if, if McCaffrey misses, Debo Samuel has the most rushing attempts of any wide receiver in football for the past two years. I think he would be really, really fun Uh, If McCaffrey misses. Um, Hey guys, why did they use uh,
2: Elijah Mitchell at all in this game? Like I I was not expecting that at all. Like I'm, I'm telling people to drop him, but that could be a mistake. I'm just curious. This was a,
0: this was a Elijah Mitchell game script. If there ever was one and they kept riding the hot hand. I don't know, man. I think uh, Kyle Shanahan might've been really tilting and they really just put it on him. And McCaffrey was running so pure that you just kept like running like with the hot hand, the hot hand, And funny things happen on the road, too. I think sometimes NFL coaches don't trust a three-score lead as much when you're Mm -hmm. on the road versus at home. So I don't know. It's hard to get inside Kyle Shanahan's head on on a lot of things. But, Jim, any, any want to try that one out?
3: Yeah, I mean, going in from a game plan standpoint, Pittsburgh is normally lights out against the run, and there's transition in the offensive line. We know that McGlinchey's gone, Daniel Brunskill, who wasn't great, is gone. So a lot, and Kittle may have been not a hundred percent. So my thought is getting McCaffrey involved. You're using different types of runs for him. I think maybe from a game plan standpoint, they weren't looking at this as a game where Mitchell's types of runs would have been the ones they wanted to use, and they may have just have not altered that on the fly when they had the lead.
2: I just, you know, it's like the Kawhi Leonard thing in basketball. That was all it's like load manage this guy a little bit, you know, I mean, fantasy
0: managers need him after Halloween. Let's go, you know, a few carries. I also think more. it's, it's funny. You, you hear all off season about what NFL teams want to do and Hey, we want to run at this quarterback less. We want to mix in different backs. But then when it's the actual game, they go right back to their priors and they just can't get away from it. They all want to keep their jobs. And they all want to score a ton of points and uh you know things happen in the in the in the like the middle of the action kind of deal guys i want to talk about zay flowers what and we talked about a little bit about how he's the new screen pass guy in baltimore but what an unbelievable performance for him he has 11 touches his first game in the league he looks every bit a star i saw some people on twitter just call him a gadget guy i don't see that i think he's dynamic he has uh, he makes people miss in space and he's the kind of guy that they're ske- they're scheming to get the ball to uh I actually think his his role is going to pick up a little bit after the loss of J.K. Dobbins. Jim, is, is Zay Flowers the next like rookie wide receiver that's going to finish inside the wide receiver 2 line? You know, Theo, it was interesting when I did my scouting research on him.
3: I pointed out that he runs great routes at all levels, sets up cornerbacks well and did good separation. We saw that. But I also noted he wasn't a very physical player. And he got away in college with a lot of screen passes. He was like heavy screen. And and it was kind of like a a role that worked for him. Well, now with one game out in the NFL, coaches are going to do the the breakdown on the tape. They're going to say, we got to jam this guy. We got to get somebody. We got to get our hands on him and disrupt his timing at the beginning of the route. Even on screens, you get somebody up and press him. And it might not work. Zay Flowers may be good enough. I, again, they just kind of the Ravens game on what he did great in college and used it in game 1 and it might work, but I am worried there's going to be a league reaction to that and what is going to be his counterpunch, but he has a lot of talent, so you know if you're betting on him, keep rolling
2: him. Allen. Yeah, Zay Flowers, I mean, the way we thought of him like it was automatically like in 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 like rookie season, right? It was oh no, he's the last guy picked. So he must be the the last guy that's good, right? I mean, this is the same treatment that J- Jahan Dotson got when he came out, right? He was like, oh, he's small, but he's just good at football. You know, he has like a, a factor back. Like all the beat writer reports were, Zay Flowers is the wide receiver one on this team. Yeah, sure. Odell Beckwithman got the contract, and we saw that play out in week one. This is a, a player that, um, that the Ravens were excited to get. And, you know, I also like that Zay Flowers did a little bit of like special teams return yardage in college. Not a ton, but those guys always are like, they have like a sickest mentality. Imagine just sitting there like fielding a punt, looking up at the sky while there's maniacs running full speed at you. It takes a different kind of human to, to be that guy. And then when they translate to wide receiver as well, um, yeah, if you took Zay Flowers in any format, you are happy you are starting him. And even if he has a down week, that's what's so great. A performance like this. You have confidence. He's a circle of trust. The opposite of what I said about DJ Moore.
0: Yeah, no, he's, I, I love, I love Zay Flowers. I, I totally trust him. I'm plugging him in as many lineups as I can. And I think it's going to be a really fun season. And guys, Zay Flowers
2: those... or, or Mike Williams this week. I mean, who disappointed them?
0: Zay Flowers. Right, Jim, Zay Flowers. You agree? I'm going to go with Mike Williams because
3: Fangio took away the downfield passing lanes and they just took the chargers took what they gave them.
0: All right. They're going to get Mike Williams involved. He's a, he's a pivotal part of that offense. If you, it's like fantasy law that if you ever bench Mike Williams, <laughs> that's the game where he goes for like yep. 125 and two touchdowns too. So and, uh, the fantasy gods do not like when you bench them, you have to take the the L's just so you can get the rewarded with the, with the big games. But guys, we're at an hour and five minutes. We, we have a lot of questions we're not going to get to because this has been too great. The chat has been really lit. I want to answer a couple questions in the chat. One question I see is half point PPR. Would you trade Brees Hall and Mike Evans for Tua Tunga-Vailoa and Calvin Ridley. He has Tyreek as his wide receiver. I will take this trade. I will take the Calvin Ridley and Tua side over the Brees Hall and Mike Evans side. Give me the Ridley side here, uh, and I get the Tua on top so I have a nice little correlation play with Tyreek. Jim, where are you at? You know, Ridley is going to be
3: great this year. He's getting up there in age. I think he's 28 right now. Tua, uh, again, one hit away from who knows what the future is. Brees Hall is only going to get better. So it really is. I think this is a just a redraft. Oh, redraft.
0: Yeah. Oh, Not Dynasty. Oh, I'm sorry. Then, yeah,
3: Calvin Ridley. The Calvin you, Ridley G- side.
2: G- Jim is laughing because no trades ever happen in redrafts, right? That's why he immediately yeah. goes, oh, this must be a Dynasty <laughs> trade. There you go. It's very hard to pull off a trade in redraft. <laughs> yeah. Alan, uh, which side? Um I'm actually going to take the Brees Hall side. It is so hard to find, like, every week starting running backs. Yeah, I mean, it guess on the waiver wire when injuries happen, like if, God forbid, Rashad uh, uh, White misses time, we could just bid on uh, Sean Tucker. So, you know, it, it, and also it's like he he proved it to me in week one, right? I, I was very vocal about fading Brees Hall, but it, it's easy to see Brees Hall uh, having all that upside that anyone that drafted him in the fifth round, again, that wasn't me. I was saying the opposite, but uh, I, I was persuaded in week one I'm going to take the other side guys
0: let's say Austin Eckler misses this week he did not practice today if anybody's listening in this is Thursday we're recording he did not practice Alexander Madison who plays tonight against Philly or Josh Kelly who had the most first down runs of any single running back in football this past weekend with a healthy Austin Eckler is is our
2: Charger are the Chargers playing Tennessee at Tennessee Okay. So Jim has told me many times, I'll let him take this, that you don't, you don't run on Tennessee. You could abuse them in other ways, but you don't run on Tennessee. Go ahead, Jim.
3: Yeah, exactly. And we saw that with Jamal Williams last week. I mean, I bet the under on his prop because you're not running on that defense. Now they're in Tennessee. Good luck. You'll go pass all day on them and that'll be the game plan. It'll be throw, throw, throw because they can't stop anybody. Alexander Madison's in a good spot. We talked about the transition on the Philly defense, the screen game. He was involved last week and that's what we saw the Patriots do last week to take advantage.
2: And just the footnote on that is that if you have to start Josh Kelly and he doesn't do well for fantasy football, don't drop him. It's it's the matchup base. I would hold him for another week. And conversely, if somebody drops him because he has a bad
0: week, pick him up. Here we go. One more trade, guys. This one's – you're going to love it. Round the horn. This is Redraft from Rubio, who watches a lot of player profiler shows. Rubio says, Puka Nakua or Drake London? One quarterback redraft league. Who are you picking?
2: This is this is what it's come to, right? Uh, I I I love Drake London. He's the better player. I, if if you took Drake London, I totally understand. But it's like you, you, they don't throw, <laughs> they don't throw to him. I'm not trusting this anymore. I'm not trusting Kyle Pitts. I'm out. I'm completely out. I wouldn't take. I would take Hayden Hurst over Kyle Pitts, and I'm certainly taking Puka Nakua over Drake London for the rest of the season.
0: All right, Jim. Oh this is God. 15 oh. targets versus one. I know Drake London is not going to get
3: 16 targets a season or 17. I know that's not going to happen. <laughs> They're going to, tra- they were won by 14 points. They got to trail sometime I know they'll run. I got to go with Drake London.
2: Oh my God. But you I don't feel go- good
3: about it. You don't feel good. No, about it. I don't feel yeah. good about it. But if Cooper cup comes back, what does Nakua do? There's, I mean,
0: Cooper cup gets his rollback. Yeah. Quick, quick, one more quick one. This is just a one word answer. Dynasty. Zay Flowers or Drake London? Allen. Oh, Zay Flowers. And the
2: ADP will reflect that uh, if we did a draft today. It's Jim Coventry.
0: Yeah, I'll go Flowers. Flowers for me as well. Sad. I hate you, Arthur Smith. You're a terrible, yes. terrible human being. You're an awful guy if you're listening to the podcast. Guys, I want to, uh, let's flag plant. We want to help win week two. We've answered a lot of questions in the chat. Flag plant a player that will bounce back in a big way in week two. And I'll give you two off the top. So, I'm probably going to take one of Allen's. T. Higgins finds the end zone against Baltimore. T. Higgins had a lot of metrics where he looks like he was going to put up a big, big stat line. It did not happen. Last year in week one, T. Higgins had two catches for like 20 yards, and then he bounces back in a big way. They have Baltimore coming into Cincinnati. This is as tilting a game as it gets for the Cincinnati Bengals. T. Higgins finds the end zone. And Dallas Goddard tonight, guys, 17 points. He catches a touchdown, big bounce-back game from Dallas Goddard. Jim, give us a player that's going to bounce back this week.
3: You guys won't like this one, D.J. Moore. I said it earlier, the middle of the field was attacked very, very heavily last week. Last week was a bad matchup for D.J. Moore. Jair Alexander and the boys, that was not a good matchup. It's way better this week. The Bears have to get him on track. Their preseason was about it. They're investing in him they will make sure the ball is schemed. He had his two catches like within the first five, six minutes of the game and then nothing after that, they'll get him the ball.
0: Yeah. And definitely check out if you like cor- to discuss cornerback rankings, Matty Kiwum of the game plan is doing cornerback rankings for us this year on player profile. They are great. He also did a cornerback article recently. If you, if you like this sort of thing for your redraft and DFS lineups, Alan, Give us a player that's going to bounce back in a major way.
2: Don't drop Antonio Gibson just yet, right? Just, we liked him too much. We can't change our opinion in in one week. He did fumble the ball and didn't see the field much after that. Uh, I I like Antonio Gibson's chances to catch six to seven passes against Denver, and then we'll be back. I almost dropped him. I'll admit, I almost did it for the hot pickup. I'm giving it uh, one more week. Only 25 years old, and uh, he was going to be part of the game plan. We like Brian Robinson. He's good. But Sam Howell, he's going to – a few dump-offs this week. I'm in on Antonio Gibson. Bounce back.
3: Hey, quick ad. So when I watched rewatched the film of that game, I thought Gibson got buried too. He was in later in the game. It just exactly. they didn't have to pass a lot to the running. So you're right, Alan. Don't sell on him. He was back in the game. The game was weird. They needed to run. They didn't want to pass to the running backs. So Alan Suslowski's 100% right on that one. Don't drop Gibson.
0: Shout out to Carlos Rodriguez in the chat. Jameer Gibbs, man, is going wild this week. Book it. I love it, Carlos. We want Jameer Gibbs to go wild. They didn't pass against against Kansas City at all with the running backs. They didn't target those guys at all. I think this week you're going to see a number of Jameer Gibbs targets and also a couple of sneaky targets for David Montgomery against that porous Seattle defense. Guys, I want to keep this going. What is a player that you are stashing this week? Maybe a player that you think will be a waiver wire ad a week from now that might pop this week. I'm going to go deep, pretty deep, not that deep. I have Nico Collins on a lot of teams. And he had a nice usage week one. But I think that this week, Tank Dell is going to get an opportunity. The coaching staff is talking about getting him the ball. Uh, This could be a Tank Dell type week. I think he's going to be a waiver wire ad next week in a lot of leagues. Alan, who you got?
2: Yeah, I think the one-for-one replacement for Deontay Johnson is Calvin Austin, the fourth-round pick who was, uh, you know, the fastest guy at the Combine. Had six targets, caught all six of them, only 37 yards, but he looked good doing it. Uh, you know, Alan Robinson, if you want to put the the bet on him to be uh, the the player that you know is featured, go ahead. George Pickens, we love him, but he, they just keep running him downfield and, and on those routes that he hasn't really uh, produced for fantasy. So Calvin Austin, who missed all of last year, he's the one for one replacement as best as they can for the De, uh, for uh, Deonte Johnson. I've stashed him this week,
0: yeah, I love the Calvin Austin call. Uh, I know that a B bag Batoba, a first and fifteen, uh, check out first and 15 guys. Uh, should be dropping tomorrow. He was on Calvin Austin. I know this because we cool. have a couple teams that we talk about. Uh, Jim, give us a guy you're stashing. You know, DJ Chark, he's healthy, I think he's gonna play this week. I know I
3: said earlier that Bryce Young's going to throw to the middle of the field a lot, but they need somebody on the outside. And DJ Chark, if he's healthy, he'll probably be that guy. Braxton Berrios, there's going to be a lot of room underneath. He had five targets. He is a very good route runner, precise in the middle of the field. I think they'll have to get him the ball. Kayshawn Booty at 60% of the snaps. Like I said, he stepped out of bounds on two passes, rookie mistake, but he looked good.
0: So maybe there as well. Okay, guys, now we've got to get to regular football. This is not a fantasy question, but which 0-1 team, uh, especially of the contenders if you have one, but which 0-1 team drops to 0-2 this week that you're really worried about right now? Jim. Look, I don't know if you consider him a
3: contender, but the Steelers. Steelers are going only 2 Cleveland is for real. Jim Schwartz had disguised coverages. He has four outstanding pass rushers. They're playing press man and Kenny Pickett. We saw him under pressure last week. The pressure is going to get worse this
0: week, even though they're in Pittsburgh again. I worry about the Los Angeles Chargers. It's a sneaky, sneaky, sneaky trap-like game when you go into Tennessee. Tennessee loses a heartbreaker in New Orleans. I think a lot of people will like the, the Chargers as a bounce back, but you have the West to East 1 p.m. game and a desperate Tennessee team. You also have the fact that the Big Dog had less snaps than Tajay Spears last week. This seems like a Derrick Henry game where it comes right down to the fourth quarter and maybe Tennessee gets the win. I'm not betting on it, but I just have that feeling. Alan, your, your thoughts. Give us a team that you're worried might drop to 0-2. Well the
2: math says it's the Baltimore Ravens, right? They're they're underdogs on the road in Cincinnati, who
0: by the way is they awesome. won last week. But they but they, week. but they won last week. But you could take we'll go. Alan's call is that it's it. the
2: Cincinnati though. That's the Cincinnati. Oh, yeah, I'm saying yeah, yeah, yeah. that they're oh, they okay. sorry. Their, their favorite. Your delivery, side, I, Alan. Your delivery was terrible. It, it was terrible. It a <laughs> it was
3: terrible
2: well, if you both thought that I was saying it the other way, then obviously you know I must have said wrong. But they're going into Cincinnati, right? They. Uh, I, I think that Cincinnati. The, Joe Burrow doesn't look right. Everyone says he's a slow starter. I mean, it maybe it's just left over from the injury. T. Higgins, I mean, I know everyone thinks he's going to bounce back, and he probably can. It can't get any worse, right? can't get eight targets, zero catches. doesn't get worse. He can't have negative one catches. So I think Cincinnati is the, oh, my God, everything's going wrong this season type of team.
0: Guys, the, the chat has been extremely lit. Big shout-out to everybody for watching. Um, we had a lot of live viewers today. Uh, Permar added he thinks that Josh Downs is a guy that we want to be stashing. Got a lot of uh, – a lot of targets last week in his first game. Uh, we got a pushback, Jim, on your Boute. Butte. Asora says he likes Pop Douglas over Boute. Butte. Uh, great, great chat today, guys. Uh, highly recommend, Alan and Jim, that you guys making them part of your weekly listen and your rotation for podcasts. These guys really, really hit it hard. Mario Puig, the other RotoWire wire uh, podcaster that they mentioned, also does a fantastic job. We are big fans of RotoWire in the Roto-Underworld jim let everybody know where they can find you thanks like, at jim Coventry nfl on the x that gets you everything that
3: i have going on
2: and just adding that jim is on youtube five days a week also he what he does is 11 a.m and by the way watch both shows watch uh watch player profiler shows and you can watch uh us on repeat jim does five days a week very detailed analysis Game breakdowns, trends, all that stuff. So five days a week on the Rotowire YouTube, you can find Jim Coventry. I'm at Alan Zislowski, Rotowire YouTube, YouTube, SiriusXM. If you go to our Twitter, at Alan Zislowski, at Rotowire, we post everything there.
0: Yeah, and definitely stick with First Class Fantasy all season long. Thursdays at 3.30, almost every single week on Thursdays, we'll have a couple of shows that might have to bump to Wednesdays uh, because of the schedule. But we had a lot of people watching during the summer. Billy and I, we really built this show up. I, I, You know, really? we we set it off great this this week, guys, with Alan and Jim. We're going to bring in great guests every single week. We're going to help you win your leagues here. And then stick around for press coverage. Press coverage, I have Scott Connor coming on. That show is going to be uh, at 4 o'clock tomorrow on Friday. Again, press coverage tomorrow, 4 o'clock on Friday afternoon. Everybody enjoy the game tonight. We, the- we're Theo, back. wait, wait, wait.
2: Somebody gave you a super chat. Someone tipped you. You better answer their question. Ramsey oh. Bolton.
0: Oh, well, let me see. You better give see. him a
2: feature. Ramsey, that was very generous of you to tip Theo, so here you oh, go. Oh,
0: thank you. Thank you so much, Ramsey Bolton. Yeah, I so, was not so, a big fan of you on Game of Thrones, but, but I am fan, a put, fan of you putting some money in the Put even his question up. up. He
2: deserves his question answered.
0: Okay. Ramsey Bolton, league mate just dropped Drake London. Should I pick him up and drop Sutton? He's my weakest wide receiver, and despite week one panic, London is wide receiver one. I would find a way to keep both of them on my team because I don't want to drop Cortland Sutton who found the end zone last week and looks like he's got a weekly role. Uh, This is a tough one, Ramsey. We need more roster context. I'll say this, Ramsey, shoot me a DM on Twitter. I'll answer your question there at the OG Fantasy. Happy to go a little deeper on this question. But we got to get these guys out of here. We would love to have you guys back on when Billy Muzio's around. Uh, Everybody enjoy the rest of your afternoon. Enjoy the Minnesota-Philadelphia game tonight. Football is back. We are bringing the heat in the the Roto Underworld every single day. All these shows we've got going, we're going to do it all season long, guys. Take care.
1: Hey, I want to take a moment to thank you for tuning in. It's important to me that all of our media be free. This is only possible because of you allowing a true independent sports media enterprise to thrive unlike any other in the business.